This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Welcome to the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Agency Network. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths. Thanks for listening to this episode. It's another good one. It's another international guest. I am rapt to be joined by UK comic and all-around legend, Eddie Izzard. She came on to promote her new film, Six Minutes to Midnight. It is her feature film writing debut. Uh, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but YouTube, the trailer, it's definitely one to watch. It's set before World War II uh, and has to do with a teacher who uh, goes to a coastal boarding school with 20 German girls. Uh, It's a really, really great film, uh, and it also stars Judi Dench, who... I don't know if you heard of her. She's kind of act royalty. Uh, so Eddie was kind enough to come on the green room all the way from London to talk about this film, talk about other film projects in the works. And many fans of Eddie will know that she uh, has recently done a bunch of marathons for charity and she intends to get into politics uh, very soon, really whenever the window opens. So it was great talking to her uh, about six minutes to midnight, which is out it right now. You can be sure to check it out in cinemas across the country. This is Eddie Izzard on the green room. All right, well, Eddie, thank you for coming on the Green Room podcast. Very excited to have you on. Been a big fan of yours for some time. How is life over there in the last six months in particular on this podcast? Obviously, I've had a lot of Australian guests, a lot of US guests, but not too many in the UK. How are things over there right now? Well, this, the, the COVID thing drones on. You know, obviously, some people are getting a bit exasperated by it. Um, it's... Um, I suppose everyone did think last year, oh, we've got COVID. Oh, that's very scary. Oh, we're getting through it. Oh, we've got to the summer. Oh, it's relaxing off, and that's going to be good. And then they said there's going to be a second bump, and and you didn't think too much about it. And then when it went in, it seemed you know it, it got much heavier than than before. So the idea that, that when they could stop, you know, relax the, the situation was just just seeming to take longer and longer and longer time. And now we've got these variants that are floating around. So it's tricky. It's tricky. It's like a permanent Sunday. I thought it would go into like a zombie land thing where nothing was happening, but it's really more like a permanent Sunday, permanent Saturday, permanent Sunday. Um, <laughs> as someone who lives in London, people go out to the parks, which is nice. So these people can train um, people wearing masks inside, you know, grocery stores, supermarkets. That's good. Some sometimes it's a bit getting a bit lax now, and then some people are just refusing to wear them, and you mm. that whole thing of refusing to wear it. You know, like Trump won't won't uh, in America won't didn't do that video that said do take the vaccine, even though he'd had COVID. I mean, okay, he, <laughs> the worst example of a human being that you can ever have. He was one fake president from beginning to end. But anyway. Um, some people think in that way, and uh, that's rather unfortunate. But yeah, it's, so it, it's getting, it's annoying. It's going on. We hope we're going to get to someplace positive, but uh, it's taking its time. So yeah, everyone's just hanging in there. Yeah, it's good to say you've been keeping yourself busy. Obviously, the Make Humanity Great Again campaign you did. Uh, yeah, I think you're the only person to have interviewed George Clooney while running on a treadmill. So that must be some sort of record for you. Yeah, I think it is, and also. We had a nice half hour chat, which was great. 
Um, and he actually counted down because George came on right at the end after 31 days. And I was doing a double marathon that day. So my 30-second marathon, he counted down the last 10 seconds at the end. So that's kind of a, an amazing thing to happen. Um, so, yeah, I bet if people don't know about this, I set up a... Uh, 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 an idea. I set up a, a kind of uh, organization of Make Humanity Great Again. And I got this slogan from someone. It just came to me one day. Someone else had a slogan a bit like it. I can't remember who they are. <laughs> anyway, and ours is, includes all of America. So it's all 7.8 billion people. Make Humanity Great Again. And it was raising money for charities. And, and I ran a marathon a day and did a gig at the end of each marathon as well, a stand up gig. So that was in lockdown in a, in a, on a treadmill in a studio. So I decided to talk to people for six hours to, to, to stop going mad, actually, because running on a treadmill is not much fun. Mm. So that's what I did in, uh, uh, in January. That was my entire January. And we raised a third million pounds, about half a million US dollars. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. It's good to do. Good to finish it. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, congratulations on this film as well, uh, your debut writing for a feature film. So rewind for me. I read somewhere that you were in a local museum, right, and you saw some badges in the museum that had the English flag and the Nazi flags. But this was like 12 Not, years ago, right? Yeah, 12 years ago. It's slightly different. I was a, I'm was a patron of the Bexhill Museum. So this is all set in Bexhill, a seaside town in the south of England, if anyone in Australia could... It's just those ones that came up in the in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Health, sea, sunshine, before anyone was flying to warmer climes. And um, so this, we had we had 26 schools in Bexhill, which is a town I grew up in for half my life. My granddad was born there. My dad was born there. And um, and the the, pay, the the curator of the museum showed me the the, the, the blazer badge. He said, "Have you seen this? It's a, a black and white photo." of this blazer badge and it has the British flag in one corner and the Nazi flag in the other corner. I said, is that a real thing? That's not just a mock-up. I said, no, that's really, there was a school that had German girls and they were very sympathetic. So they had the Nazi flag there, but they were sympathetic to, well, they were in Britain learning English and they were trying to get to know members of the British aristocracy who were also very pro-Nazi. So that existed, this, this, this badge. So I thought, well, there's a film there. That's what I thought. And I'd, be, I'd broken into Pyramid Studios when I was 15. So 40 years later, um, my producing partner, Sarah Townsend, she was saying, this is the film you got to, this is the first one you should do. So that's the one I started trying to develop. And I struggled with it because I knew that I wasn't an expert. And, you know, I was, it's my first screenplay and, and trying to get story and characters and dialogue to interact and drive it to the right place. But then I started working with Kellen Jones, who I'd, acted with before and he he was now on his second or third script and then Andy Goddard came in as directing and between the three of us this film came out which is a thriller sitting on top of the true facts of the school that was there Himmler's goddaughter was at this school learning English mm-hmm. uh, von Ribbentrop was the German ambassador to Britain and his daughter was there and um, and they did listen to Hitler's speeches on the radio and they did do the Nazi salute to the radio en masse and so our story sits on top of that. And that's from our own minds. We, we made this story up. This is a fictitious story, but the, the facts underlying it are all true. Yeah, and obviously this was filmed in 2018. Yeah. Uh, when was, when was the, the serious writing taking place as far as getting to the final screenplay? Was this, it's a weird parallel that, we're, that it's discussing and exploring the, the, the extreme right wing 
And yeah. this was happening at, at the time that Trump was coming into power. Yeah, Trump and Brexit and uh, Marine Le Pen making her noises in France and the alternative for Deutschland and the uh, Mosero in, um, in Brazil, you know, the extreme right. Um, so you would have thought in 1945, they said, OK, Nazi idea is bad, extreme right, bad. Our country is better than your country. That kind of a nationalism, not a good thing. Doesn't get you anywhere. OK, let's put that to bed. So it stopped. But of course, unfortunately, the ideas <clears throat> just sit there. And the people who were making those ideas, they just go quiet. Some of them died in the war, but then some of them didn't. And they went back into West Germany and they were working in business and some of them got back into politics. But um, but then, of course, it's not just a German thing. This is what I said to the German girls who were acting in our film. This film should not be about countries that can be bad and countries can be good, but ideas can be bad and ideas can be good. And we know World War II was not a German problem. It was a human problem. And we now know that because Trump did the big lie. Hitler said, if you lie big, it's more effective than if you lie small. Mm. And that's what Trump did. He said, I, Trump said, claimed that he won the election, which he hadn't. And a number of people were happy to go along with that. Mm. Um, whatever reason, Trump gave them permission to be racist and sexist again. And, uh, some people are disenfranchised because they choose not to be part of the franchise. The franchise is society, if you think about it. And some people are self-disenfranchising. They say, I don't want to be uh, to be civil to other people. I don't want to treat people of different skin colors equally to me. I'm a white supremacist, so I want to hate these people. And I, and I don't like women. Some of these white supremacists don't like women either. So they're, they're just misogynists as well, you know, and anti-LGBT and all that kind of stuff. So some people pull themselves out of the franchise um and uh, trump played to that any right-wing leader is, is doing that and they can use lies as a tool of politics this is the thing that hitler did what did, hitler obviously sat down and said if i lie just make things up blame the jewish people when they haven't done anything wrong i'll and then i'll blame the the, the i'll link them to the the soviets as well in a nonsensical alliance then I, I can just do anything i want i'll just keep making up lies it's so much easier than actually having to do real politics and we, we need to put a barrier in there and say, this is garbage. This stuff is garbage, what the right wing people do. They will start with hatred. And then we were bringing out our film right on top of all this sort of digging itself up again, as if people were going, let's try the 1930s all over again. Let's have another bash at that. How did that turn out last time? Anyone anyone checked? Anyone watched a film <laughs> about it? So, yeah, kind of bizarre, but that's human beings. We do forget and we are... We are doomed to repeat our history if we do not uh, remember what we've done before. Yeah, again, this film being shot in 2018, and, and you just mentioned the, the last 12 months alone have been a, a wild time. Do these themes, as, as these last three years have gone on, do you think this film in particular now is completely fitting of where we are in 2021, or at least where, where America is coming out of the Trump era? Well, it's it's the strap line for the film should be a lesson from history. So obviously it's about those times, it's about 1939, but it's about young people getting beguiled or, or any people getting beguiled, including Judy Dench's character, because it's Judy Dench and Jim Broadbent, both Oscar winners in our film as well. And Judy Dench's character being beguiled by the ideas of the extreme right. Um uh, and, and her fight about that. And people today, some people are getting beguiled by it, saying, yep, that sounds good. These lies sound great. I'll go with those lies. Um, and that that is a worrying thing. People don't check themselves. The conspiracy theory people, if you think, if you, once you start getting into conspiracy theories, where is the end of it? 
you know, you, you'll just believe anything. Um, if you if you don't have good standards of checking the facts, then you're just going to believe anything. And maybe that's always been there. Maybe back to the Stone Age times, there were people going, you know, the next tribe, they've all got nine heads. Oh, yes, I've heard that too. And they all eat monkeys. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Maybe that was going on. Maybe I, I feel that's probably true. The conspiracy theory probably go back to the beginning of time. Mm. But, um, you know, it's something we've, we've just got to keep fighting against. Um, and I think there's more goodwill than ill will in the world. But I have said that the 21st century, I think, is the coming of age of humanity. And this century, we will decide whether we give uh, everyone should have a fair chance in life. I think that should be the right of every person. And if we don't get it to that level, then I just don't think we're going to make it as a species. I don't think human beings are going to make it yeah. because it seems to be so easy for the right wing to come in and stir things up just to, to lean into, hey, who do you hate? Who do you want to hate? Let me help you stir that up. And that's just, that's a dangerous thing. Nationalism is just not good. And the extreme right, they, they keep saying, well, our country is better than your country. That's not good. Patriotism, yes. Be proud of your country, absolutely. But when you start saying my country is better than your country, if you think about what that is, that is just the schoolyard of saying my dad is bigger than your dad. And one from a country to country, you can't measure a country. They might have a bigger you know, uh, defense budget. They could put more money into Ireland. Yes, okay, whatever. Uh, or, or maybe more money to spend on loads of things, like America is a, a good case in pointing this. But are they better than any other country? No, you can't compare countries like that. You've just got to... You've got to say that all countries try and be as good as they can be. That is that is the way forwards, rather than this endless nationalism. Uh, my dad's bigger than your dad. Ideas writ large. On the other side of the coin, and I'd love your take, especially uh, given that you're a comedian. What's your take on the extreme left? You know that that community of the cancel culture, the PC police. You know there are some people in 2021 who think Monty Python should be cancelled. Do you think there's there is another side of that coin that also needs to be addressed? Yeah, well, I don't... See, I think political correctness is the wrong word. I've actually come up with the wrong uh, phrase from years ago. It should be positive attitude. I have a positive attitude about things, not a political correctness, positive attitude. Um, um, if, you brew, if you put everything into cancel culture, uh, then then that, that is mixing everything in. Certain things you want to push away from, like we have statues to people celebrating people who made a lot of money off slavery. That, you've really got to push back on that, um, as opposed to cancel that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some people maybe, you know, if you start using those words, then it just goes into, well, anyone that says, any cancel anything, then that has to happen. It, you have to do due diligence on which things are which, but people who have made a lot of money and have been celebrating and had big statues up because they made money off out of slavery, that's not a great thing to celebrate. You know, mm -hmm. it's not at all a good thing to celebrate. Um, so I think you need to take them piece by piece, but not group them all into a broad thing. If anyone says, okay, cancel culture, we're going to cancel this right now, then that, that has to happen. You have to judge each thing on its merits. That's what I feel. But some things you want to absolutely push back on and some things you don't. And yeah. some things you want to, you know, it, it's nuanced. Life is, is the, see, the problem with politics is it, it seems really complicated. And that's the truth. Life and politics is as complicated as it looks. That is the truth of it. I mean, you know, coming out as trans back in 1985, 36 years ago, um, and, uh, and people still, some people still have difficulty getting their heads around it or 
you know, all I'm saying is, you know, this is me. I know, uh, I believe it's genetic. I have the gift of uh, extra genetics, boy and girl genetics, as we all do, but to a different extent. And I've just been honest about it since 1985, 36 years ago. So um, most people go, okay, live and let live. And some people don't. And they, they just go off on the deep end. So um, we hopefully move forward. 21st century, we've got to be getting more positive. Have a positive attitude. That is the thing. Speaking selfishly right now, because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you were last in Australia in 2019. And in the lead up to that tour, you actually said, you know, I've got to get the comedy stuff done because I've got to go off into politics soon. Yeah. Please tell me that that won't mean the end of you doing stand-up. No, it's uh, Glenda Jackson, as you all well know, uh, went into politics for 23 years and then came out and then carried on where she left off. So that's exactly my plan, how long I'd go in for, I don't know, but you can't leave it to the extreme right in, in politics. There's, you know, a number of the people who get in, I think they work out that being in the, on the extreme right is so much easier than being a moderate, uh, someone who, because, you know, politics being really complicated. It's much less complicated on the extreme right because they can use the tool of lying. But I have to go in because I'm a radical, but a moderate. I do radical things with a moderate message. And, uh, but uh, yeah, I have to go in and I'll come back out and uh, I will continue to make films, do drama and uh, and do stand-up. I was going to go in May 2020, but then an election that was going to happen, it's, it, we changed our system again. And so the election happened back in 2019. And for whatever reason, um, a seat didn't come my way. So I am now waiting for a by-election. Or most probably I'll go in at the next general election. If you do go off this year, it is a good time considering you've just done your debut screenplay with Judy Dench. Yeah, it's it's um, it's good to have done that film. I'd like to now do more films, but uh, yes, it's good to have done a number of things before you go into to doing um, uh, politics. But yeah, this film, I just um, I love the fact that we we've got it to happen. I started twelve years ago trying to get it. To, to to uh, get it on its feet um and judy agreeing to come and play with it. jim broadbent playing charlie the bus driver based on my granddad charlie the bus driver and setting bexel on sea where nothing you know since world war ii it's just been our retirement town really and nothing really ever happened and on monday this coming monday we're going to be doing a, a world premiere on two continents with just myself and kellen jones the other co-writer and uh, Andy got the director there on a carpet in Bexhill on Sea in a closed COVID safe environment. And we're going to be doing our own, we're going to do one for Britain and one for America on the same day. We're going to do Q and A's and stuff and link up. So that's great to be able to do that. And this film, yeah, we'll, get, we'll give it a launch. It's launching here and it's launching, I think, uh, in Australia a little late in April, but um, it's, it's about to arrive. Is there a certain affection you have now for, for these stories that obviously are close to your heart having grown up there or now that you've got your first screenplay out there, you're you know willing to tackle whatever you feel like wanting to write about? I really want to tackle whatever I want to write about. There's, there's a number of ideas which are, which are not based on I have one other idea which is actually based in my hometown. Some people would you know do things that always uh pertain to the place they go not always or maybe or sometimes but yeah there's a there's a couple it's the three no, there's there's that one and there's one other which are definitely based where i grew up and then all the other ideas in my head are not are not are based everywhere 
are based in the world or somewhere or or maybe everywhere in the world. So yeah, I'm now ready to to um to to pull more stories out of it. But I do find it hard. I don't um I th- I think I can get faster at writing, but but I find pulling writing out of me tricky. Yeah, well, Eddie, congratulations again. And I hope we see you in Australia soon, whether that be for films or for more stand-up shows. Yes, it would be lovely to come back. Um, and uh, I'm glad you guys are seeming to get to the other side of this COVID hell. Yeah, slowly but surely. Yeah. Cheers. Eddie, thank you so much. Thanks very much. Six Minutes to Midnight is out in Australian cinemas everywhere. Be sure to check it out. And thank you so much to Eddie Izzard for coming on The Green Room. It really is a great film. You need to go to the cinema and watch it right now. And you can, so that's fun as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. Head over to thepodcast.com.au for more episodes of The Green Room Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, do all the fun things. And we'll do it all again next week. Podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Neil Griffiths, recorded and engineered by Zig Parker, executive producer Craig Treweek.